Welcome in Rose City to the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer. It is NWSL Championship Week. The Portland Thorns are headed to the NWSL Championship match in Washington, D.C. this Saturday, thanks to an absolute rocket from uh, NWSL legend Crystal Dunn. Uh, what a play for, for the new mom as of May. Uh, her first goal of the season is one that sends the Portland Thorns to the final. Uh, her first goal at Providence her Park. Ver- her no very less. first goal at Providence Park in, in her short time with the Thorns. Uh, emotions right now, Chris. What What is what's swirling around in your mind? Uh, I, I mean, the first thing, this is like a, I mean, this is like stereotypical me, (laughs) but the first thing that's swirling around in my mind is that was a phenomenal soccer game. That's one of the best soccer games I've watched all year. Uh, just, there are so many levels of that game that were so good. It had obviously the climactic moment, uh, with Dunn. It had absolute bangers. It had, uh, it had sort of back and forth tactics, uh, it had two really good teams playing really well, uh, and it, it had uh, an awesome individual battle. It had techers. It, I mean, it had everything. This 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 game had everything you could possibly want uh, in a soccer game packed up in ninety plus minutes, and it was you know I mean look, uh, oftentimes playoff games kind of stink, right? Like oftentimes teams are really conservative. They're afraid to make mistakes. Uh, and you know, both teams were smart. It's not like anybody was just throwing caution to the wind and going crazy. Both teams were very smart, but this wasn't a game where, where the teams were, you know, conservative and afraid to make mistakes. They were going after it. There were collisions there. I mean, they were going after it. They were playing hard. It was full on full tilt playoff soccer and it was phenomenal. So that's the, I mean, you know, the, the, there are obviously the obvious emotions of excitement that the Thorns are going to the championship game. I think both of us are going out to DC. Uh, and, and so the, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be great. Uh, but man, that was such a good game. I, I think, uh, I, I think a lot of people are going to remember being there for Crystal Dunn's goal for good reason. That whole game, people should remember as being a special event and something that they should be very thankful that they got to be there for if you were lucky enough to be at Providence Park. And if you were not lucky enough to be at Providence Park, sorry you missed out. Yeah, no, seriously. Second largest crowd in uh, NWSL playoff history. Uh, they couldn't have gotten number one only because of the limited capacity of Providence Park as compared with Snapdragon Stadium down in San Diego, but still a really impressive turnout for the fans, especially given everything that uh, has been swirling around the club as of late. Uh, that moment for Crystal Dunn was was something of a moment of catharsis for this team and and uh, and for the soccer community in Portland for for her to make that play and and it was a, a truly incredible moment. But you're right. I mean, the, the game overall was was superb. You, the wave go up one zero early and and you think, oh God, you know, this is the worst case scenario against a team like the Wave because they they right our heads gonna drop or you know. How is it going to play out with the Waves' defensive low block? I mean, all the reasons 
uh, in light of everything. Yeah, there were a lot of reasons for concern after going down. Yes, Taylor Korniak, who has proven herself a certified Thorns killer all season long. Reign of terror. At yeah, she she was terrifying all game. And and that early goal was like, okay, here she goes, right? She's she's about to do what mm-hmm. she does and dominate in the midfield and then continue to to be a towering presence near goal, which she she continually was. But the Thorns defense tightened up. They uh, scored one before the half, uh, thanks to Rocky Rodriguez, which between the two goals, Crystal Dunn's the winner was the second best on the day compared yeah. to Rocky Rodriguez. Yeah. Rocky with an absolute world-class uh, volley off the little one touch that she had from uh, the deflection that came off the ball that was going to go in from Hina Sugita, uh, Sugita. And the, the, the ability that she showed on that play the ability to to stop it right where she was and and curl it on frame perfectly into the top corner was something that I've never seen at Providence Park and and there are people I talked to within the organization who said that is the best goal they have seen at Providence Park uh between both teams what was so impressive about that goal I have two points I want to make. We're going to talk about the goal first, and then we've got to talk about Sugita because this was like Sugita's Sugita's moment right before the goal was maybe as good, uh, if less, if a little bit more understated. But let's talk about the goal for a second because you're right, absolute wonder strike from Rocky Rodriguez. And what was so impressive about it is that first touch doesn't come off perfectly for her. It's a little bit in under her spokes. Right. I mean, it, it, it's a little bit tight to her body. She'd probably like it to be a, a, a little bit further away from her body so she can swing at it more clearly. And when you have a bouncing ball that's in a little bit tighter than you'd like, the technique has to be perfect. And I mean, perfect. Like there is no room for error. If you urge just a little bit, that thing's going into the south deck, right? Like that thing, that thing, it's going to go high. It's just going to fly away. It's going to be an uncompetitive shot. The technique was perfect. I mean, stunningly good <laughs> to put that in, in in the corner. And and look, I mean that is though that is a huge moment for Rocky who has frankly over the last several weeks been one of the Thorns best players. She has had a tremendous finish to the season and this is kind of the cherry on top. Uh, of of a whole lot of really really good work that she's done for the Thorns over the course of the last couple months. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable strike, unsavable. I mean, no, n- nothing to talk about uh, there. Um, that's one where the waiver tipping their caps and walking back to midfield uh, because that's just that's just a brilliant goal. Period. Uh, simple as that. But I want to go back a few seconds <laughs> because this was like uh, I I remember seeing it live and be like oh, uh, and then I watched it back and I was like this is unbelievable. So the initial uh, corner was cleared out. It was cleared out to the to the far side, and uh, Hina Sugita had who who Sugita who who had been uh, sitting sort of beyond the far post runs back away from goal to to uh, to collect the clearance, which was a pretty good clearance to be honest. I don't think you can really fault uh, fault the way for how they dealt with that first ball. Um, she receives it. The ball. She receives it. The ball is coming over her shoulder. Like you know, you talk in in American football about how hard over the shoulder catches are. She's receiving this ball over her shoulder. 
<laughs> so it's a hard one to track. It's coming in from the worst imaginable angle. And she receives it on her, on her right foot. She cushions it perfectly and directs it in a way where she can immediately spin, where she can immediately turn and whip a driven cross back into the box. And it wasn't, and like, that is just an insane touch, an insane touch. Like imagine catching a football over your shoulder, but you can't use your hands. Like it was, it was one of the best touches I've seen in a, in a long time in any league, any sex, like anywhere. It was unbelievable. Uh, and then the cross was really good. It was a driven cross that frankly, if the wave were, were even just a little bit loose on how they, they, they were marking for this re-entry ball, it probably would have been a goal because it was right on Sophia Smith's forehead. If it hadn't been, uh, if it hadn't been, uh, uh, intercepted before it got to her, it was a perfect cross. And so like that whole sequence from Sugita, I mean, that's world-class stuff. Yeah. To have that from somebody who, uh, the team would consider one of its role players given given the stardom but i you know i i think but she's one of the most skilled players has, in the world she has I, I mean if yeah. you're not one of the if there if there's if you're not one of the most skilled players in the world no chance of doing that no chance in the world right and you are indeed the self-appointed president of the hina hive so i will you know i, I will give you the uh the credit for being right about her pretty much all season uh that's true. Although this is going to turn into a, a, a Reen Wilkinson stand podcast, That's, uh, just in a few, yeah, in a few and I, as it should. I mean, she managed that game excellently. And, and you know, you, you talked about the the wave marking really well on that play. Throughout the entire game, they were unbelievably solid defensively. I was worried for the Thorns. I was like, they can't, you know, make heads or tails of this. They're they're getting their share of opportunities, but it's like you get right up to the moment and then the brick wall that is Naomi Gurma shows up and and she essentially shut Sophia Smith down for a good portion of those possessions that the Thorns had. And that was a little scary for them. So it took two two worldies from way out from two really talented players for the thorns to score those two goals. Otherwise uh, in the regular run of play, they either didn't cash in in the last second, or they were stopped by the, the metal of the San Diego wave defense. Uh, and, and I was uh, equally worried on the other end because Alex Morgan was putting in absolutely dangerous and terrifying crosses every possession for the entire first half. And one of them was the one that led to Corniak's goal and it was perfection. And it, it met her head feet above at the next tallest person on the, on the, on the team. So it it was a really well-earned win for the thorns. I don't think it was one where the wave were off by any means. I think that they were clinical on both ends. The thorns met that and exceeded it by finishing those two incredible chances that they had, including Dunn's, which Crystal Dunn, she is a hero. She, she is, I mean, there's people in the Portland community, the Portland soccer community that are calling for her to have a statue built outside of Providence park right now. <laughs> That's how crazy it is. I mean, score a goal like that and you're going to get some shots. Seriously. Like it's, it's, it, I haven't heard that place that loud in a long time. Uh, it, it was, it was incredible. I mean, the, there's only one goal at Providence Park that 
that even can can line up. And I I think Duns gets the nod. I think that's the greatest goal ever scored at Providence Park. Situation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Felipe Moras obviously in in MLS Cup final uh, in in second half stoppage time to level that and to send it to extra time uh, is the other one in the conversation. But I think given that it was a winner uh, and that the Thorns went on to win the game, and especially if they go on next week uh, to win the title, uh, that will be the greatest goal uh, ever scored at Providence Park. Uh, Crystal Duns with uh, with apologies to Felipe Mora and Rocky. Yeah, Rodriguez. serious apologies to Rocky, especially because it was in the same yeah. game that she scored right. a goal that like <laughs> objectively, it, were it not for the situation, was better. <laughs> and and yeah. to have two of those in the same game, I mean, that that's like, you know, people talk about destiny in sports and, and to save those two beauties of goals for for the same game i mean that that feeds into a narrative of this being a potential team of destiny so uh, i want to talk a bit a bit more about the game because i want to get to the to the point where we we this does turn into a, a rain wilkinson uh stand podcast but before we do that it has to be a little bit of a san diego wave appreciation podcast and a casey stoney appreciation podcast because the Genius in the Thorns and Wilkinson's management of this game was in how the game progressed and how they changed things to counter what the Wave were really effective in doing. The Wave in the first half were so good. They were so dang good in the first half. You know, I my, my my tickets are are on the east side, sort of, you know, sort of higher up. Uh which I, cho- I choose intentionally because I really, really like seeing the game from above because you can see the tactics really, really. You easily. just miss your little press box seat, is what you're telling me. You're, you're nice. You're a nice little uh, towering seat. You know, the, there are pluses and minuses. The cookies in the press box are nice. There are other minuses that we don't need to go into. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, so uh, so uh, yeah, uh, but it, it's a, it's a similar vantage point. Which I really, really like. Uh, but because of that, and, and my Timbers tickets are are in a, not exactly the same, but in, in a similar spot. And so watching from that vantage point over the course of the last few years, even as a, an, a novice, an amateur uh, soccer watcher, analyst person, um, you really get to see which teams and which opponents in particular have really clear ideas and which don't. And you really appreciate those who do have have really clear ideas about what they want to do um, and uh, how they're approaching the game. And I thought the wave in that first half were the best example of that I've seen in several years. MLS, NWSL, any league. It was so clear. They were so organized in about what how they wanted to approach the game. They were incredibly organized with the way that they repressed. So when they would turn the ball over, they, they, they knew exactly where they needed to be to, to try to turn immediately turn the thorns back over, which caused huge problems for the thorns in the first half. There were a couple of moments of sloppiness for the thorns, but those moments of sloppiness were only really punished and were only really turned into something bad because the wave were exactly where they needed to be to punish them. And they did a number of times in the first half. They and even when they weren't repressing and, and repressing or counterpressing is what happens when uh, the attacking team turns the ball over when they immediately try to win it back. 
and the wave were very effective in their in their counter press. When the thorns were in possession, but but were holding the ball along the thorns back line. So when Becky Sauerbrunn had the ball, or Natalia Kuika, or Kelly Hubley, or something like or something like that, and they were and the thorns were trying to build out, which they really did try to build out quite a bit in that first half. The waves trigger points for when they would press in those instances were crystal clear. Anytime the ball swung out to the fullback, immediately multiple players would be pressing. There would be at least one player pressing the fullback with the ball. There would be another player that would that would go and press the near side center back every time. And, he, and they would do it in unison. So, the, so that it was really obvious what they were trying to do. And they were trying to get the Thorns to play through the middle of the field rather than work the ball around the back uh, to allow them to uh, to play more direct. So that was really effective. And then if the Thorns were able to break that, San Diego would sort of drop into what I think is becoming their trademark low block, which is they'd set their line of confrontation at 35 or 40 yards, and they would be really, really difficult to break down. Uh, and And I thought for the most part, the wave did a really nice job of controlling the thorns in all of those phases and made it really challenging for the thorns to build both, both to build through uh, the, 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 the thorns defense or the wave defense. And then also to break down that low block when they, when the thorns were able to, uh, to build through and the thorns did a good job. I thought of still creating some chances out of it. Uh, obviously they created a few set pieces, including the goal that Rocky scored created another nice moment, a little bit of a transitional moment uh, in, in which they got Morgan Weaver through. She played a, a, a nicely cushioned ball over to Sophia Smith, who just couldn't, who just didn't quite have the first touch she needed in order to score what what looked like it could have been uh, the equalizer at the time. Maybe that would have, that would have put them up. I can't remember. Uh, sitting it would have put them up. Happened before yeah, they, they would have been up yeah. two to one after that. And she, I mean, she probably should have just one timed it honestly, because she was in a position where yeah, she could have, because the ball was really good from Weaver. Yeah. That was re- she was really nicely set up. And, and if she'd taken it at first time, uh, she, she was in a really good spot, but that happens. I mean, like that's just soccer, right? <laughs> there, there's a, a lot that is hard that you have to get exactly right in order to, 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 you know, bring a, a chance like that to fruition. And that's why you need to, as a soccer team, be creating multiple chances like that in order to. to right. And goal. I think there's added pressure for Soph too in that situation because her volume of chances was much lower than it normally is. And, yep. and that's a product of Naomi Gurma just being the the lockdown like world-class defender that she is and and what a matchup individually that was and is going to be for years to come in the NWSL. And we really saw that individual matchup sort of in the spotlight in the second half. And I think that's because of the way the Thorns changed their approach to the game at halftime. And this is where it becomes the Reen Wilkinson stand podcast because the thorns in the first half were trying to build through. They were trying to build out of the back a bit, uh, because and, and and for good reason. Their most dangerous moments have been when they're feeding Sophia Smith balls from the midfield rather than when they're they're hitting balls over the top uh, from the back line. And when the thorns are able to build into the midfield and then feed Morgan Weaver and Sophia Smith, they are re- they are a huge problem. A huge problem. They're going to be fairly direct in the way they do it, but. It's best when those balls are coming from Sam Coffey and Rocky Rodriguez and those players rather than coming over the top from uh, from their center backs. The Thorns, though, 
and and give them credit and give Wilkinson an enormous credit for seeing that the way were really causing him problems, both in how they were pressing and counterpressing. And so in the second half, the Thorns got quite a bit more direct. And they basically said, look, Sophia Smith is an elite holdup player. She is somebody who who gets on the end of balls as well as anybody in this league. And yeah, she's going to be matched up with Naomi Girma a lot, but we are going to be more direct so that we don't have as many problems playing through this press because we're not going to play through it. We're going to play over the top of it. And we're going to trust Soph to, 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 to win some of these battles. And what that did in, in addition to have, <laughs> creating a really fun about 30 minute stretch in which this this one V one battle was just like front and center. It was, it was Sophia Smith versus Naomi Girma. And that was the game for about half an hour. But what it did is by playing more direct, it got the wave into that low block more often. And when the wave would, would recover possession and they would try to build something the Thorns were perfect, and I mean perfect. This is when Becky Sauerbrunn uh, and the experience of the Thorns back six really showed out. They were perfect in the way that they just snuffed out any San Diego attack quickly. And as a result, the Wave, increasingly over the course of the second half, had a really hard time pushing numbers forward. Well, you can't press, and you certainly can't counterpress if you don't have your numbers pushed on, Right? That's how presses work. You're pushing on numbers in defense uh, to, to, to do that pressing. And so that is why over the course of the second half and through this individual battle that the Thorns really created between Smith and Girma, they changed the entire field of play for the teams. And it's why over the course of that half, it just felt like more and more pressure was being applied to the wave. And it was just, it was just waves battering a rock. Um, over the course of, of the second half and the pressure was increasing, the pressure was increasing. Thorns were winning more set pieces, which are critical in, in playoff games, they're critical in all games. They're especially critical in playoff games. They were starting to create more chances a little after the hour. Crystal Dunn came on and in about that last half hour, the wave had a real problem because they couldn't consistently get their numbers pushed out. They were in that low block too much, and they were having to defend Sophia Smith and Crystal Dunn and Morgan Weaver <laughs> and Rocky Rodriguez, and it just became too much. And, and you know, I mean, there are obviously doubts about whether it was ultimately going to lead to the winning goal for the Thorns, and they left it late, but they got it, and it was deserved with the way the Thorns approached that second half, which I thought was so smart to just be more direct and to really focus on, on this matchup between Smith and Girma. And look, Girma was so good. She was phenomenal in, in that battle. This was, this was a, a heavyweight match. Smith won a couple of them, but I mean, my goodness, Girma didn't set a foot wrong for the most yeah, part. Yeah. She proved why she's nominated for every single one of these major awards. Yeah, no question. And the only one that, that, that Smith, really sort of won decisively. The only one of those moments that Smith won decisively was when she, she got on the end of a long, uh, of a direct ball. And then she, she was able to create enough separation. She creates separation better than maybe any player in the league. 
She created enough separation to be able to turn and then play just a worldie of a diagonal through ball to Morgan Weaver from like 40 yards that put Weaver through and looked like it could have been uh, the goal. Weaver ended up putting it uh, at the goalkeeper. And so, and so it didn't come to fruition again. It's hard. Um, but it was, it was, yeah, I mean, the one time that Smith won that battle, the thorns darn near scored. And that just goes to show how perfect Kierma had to be. Cause if she wasn't perfect, Smith was going to punish him. <laughs> and, and so it was fun to watch that battle, but through that battle and, and by being more direct and by focusing the game on that matchup between Smith and Guillermo, the thorns completely changed the game. And that's what allowed them in a first half in which it looked like the thorns were having a hard time keeping control of the game and the wave were consistently dangerous. That's what allowed the thorns to just seize total control over the course of the second half. And by the end of the second half, the question was whether or not the thorns were going to get a winner. It wasn't whether, really, it wasn't whether the wave were going to find a winner. It was about whether the wave could hold on to get into extra time. And, and, and credit to the Thorns, credit to Rian Wilkinson for making the moves that they needed to make to change a game that looked like it was going to be a really challenging one to keep control of uh, and to get that control in the second half. And that's why they're going to the NWSL championship game. Plain and simple. Yeah, no doubt. And Rian Wilkinson... Uh, actually, in one of her post-game quotes, said that she was never really in doubt in the second half, which is a pretty boss thing to say, like on its own. But then she she kind of you know qualified it by saying, "Well, when we got to ninety minutes, maybe I should have been in a little bit of doubt, <laughs> but uh, she didn't need to be because Crystal Dunn stepped up and made uh, a historic, incredible play for the team, and and now they are." Moving on to f- to face the Kansas City Current in the NWSL Championship, uh, this is a, a current team that uh, could pose some serious problems for the Thorns in the same ways that they did against OL Rain. You're talking about uh, a game where the Rain outshot KC 16 to eight, I believe it was, and KC had a pass percentage of about 62 percent, and KC wins that game 2-0. So you you cannot, if you are the Thorns, regress into a, a scenario like maybe the game against Gotham or like a, a, a game earlier in the season where you're not finishing your chances and you're not as consistent as you've been on defense and, and you allow a team in KC, which I think that the Thorns are better than uh, and, and should on paper beat in this championship match, allow them to hang around and do what they do, which is capitalize on your mistakes. And and so this Thorns team seems very determined. Uh, I plan to go out to training later today. This is Tuesday morning that we're recording this podcast. Uh, I, I will continue to observe how they're looking, what the vibe is, everything else. But um, everything I've seen, uh, this team is out for it. They want this championship badly. And frankly, given how much these players have gone through this season, everything swirling around the club it would be a perfect capstone for these athletes who have worked so hard despite all the noise, the distraction, and the trauma of the past two years. It, w- it would be an incredible sports moment, and, and I would feel very happy for a lot of the people on this team uh, to, to be able to achieve that. The current have kind of brought out the best in the thorns over the course of the year. 
Uh, so it's it's a I mean, look, this is a sports writer's dream uh, in that you have bookends, right? The the current or who the Thorns opened the regular season against and a 3-0 win at Providence Park in which the Thorns were just utterly dominant. Uh, it was not a competitive 3-0. Most 3-0s aren't competitive. This was not <laughs> even among 3-0s. It was not a competitive 3-0. The Thorns were great in that game, even as shorthanded as they were uh, at that time of the season. The, the the current, though, have, have really grown over the course of the season, which is why, of course, a few weeks ago when the Thorns went to Kansas City to play them, the current were atop the table. A lot of folks were, were sort of pinning that game as, as, as the game that, that may decide the shield race. It would have, but for the Thorns stumbling in Gotham. Uh, but that game, which ended 1-1 after the current had a second, second half uh, stoppage time equalizer themselves was one of the Thorns' best performances of the year. They bossed the current in Kansas City. They were a little bit unlucky, only to have the one courtesy of who? Ryan Clark? Rocky, Rocky Rodriguez. <clears throat> Rocky Rodriguez, courtesy of a second half goal, courtesy of Rocky Rodriguez. You can't put me on the spot but, like that, man. My short term memory is <laughs> hey, just non-existent. Like I just <laughs> as a movie guy, though, that was a pretty good hit. Oh, right? well, of course. Yeah. And and I, I appreciated the the theme music. I saw plenty of Rocky related gifts after the game. Uh, so so thank you for for the the hint. Uh there has been, I will say for for my own sake, to protect my integrity. As, as a truly, you know, high quality journalist here. Um, it's been a pretty eventful few weeks. I've been a little busy. <laughs> you've, you, you've, you've had your mind on a couple there's, things. You don't have every goal of the season memorized right now. It's been a few games since then, and there's been a few other things since then. So, yes, but yes, there have but Rocky, been a few Rocky, yes, that was her. You know, this is a, a current team that I think has brought out the best in, in the Thorns. Uh, and a couple of their best performances of the year were against this current team. But, you know, the, the, the current to me sort of looked like uh, I'm, I'm looking out my window and, and my dog Jerry is in a, a stare down with a cat uh, standing on a fence. That's that's who's to say how the, the suspense in the background of the podcast. That's uh, that's not what you want. That's uh, that's a yeah. bit of a this is this this is the subplot that we're going to keep an eye on throughout the podcast. That's right. That's right. The, the hackles are up. Uh, this is it's quite the moment uh, here in, in, in the background. Uh, podcasts are really terrible visual experiences for this kind of thing. So, you know, I w- will check in uh, on on the standoff between between Jerry and the cat on the fence. Uh, but nonetheless, let's talk about soccer. Let's go back to talking yes. about soccer. Um. The, you know, the, uh, this is a a Kansas city team that truly has brought out the best in the thorns, but Kansas city in some ways reminds me of, I mean, to, to draw an MLS comparison since we're in Portland and and it's, it's timely, they kind of remind me of RSL, uh, in the playoffs last year where, you know, they're a, a team that has over the course of the year punched above their weight. And I think very reasonably, it's fair to say they are not the most talented team in NWSL. On talent, I think the the Thorns have a pretty clear advantage here, and there are a few teams, including the Rain, that have a pretty clear advantage on uh, on 
um, San Diego's another. Yeah. Sandy and San Diego's another, to be sure. I, I mean, frankly, I think you'd probably put the current on talent in the bottom half of the league. But this is a team that clearly has punched above its weight. Credit to them. They are greater than the sum of their parts. And then they have a tremendous goalkeeper in AD French, who might be the best shot stopper in NWSL. I think that's that's fair to say. That's not going to get – it's not a take that's going to get you in trouble. Folks might quibble, but that's not going to get you in trouble. And they go to the rain, like RSL went to Seattle <laughs> in last year's MLS Cup playoffs. And in a game in which this, the home Seattle team is able to carry a lot of the game, the current are able to find their goals where they need them. And then they they just sort of get that organized, hard-nosed performance. That is a really dangerous team in the playoffs. But you can't overcome it. <laughs> and remember, the Timbers did uh, last year against RSL, uh, where the, the the gulf in talent was just too significant. And 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 the Timbers sort of uh, ran away from from RSL at a canter. I think that is that is what the Thorns have got to be looking to do in the in the, in this championship game. Uh, they're we know the current are going to let the thorns have a good amount of the ball, but the thorns are best when they're direct. And so they need to not let this be a game in which they're holding 65% of the ball and, and they're controlling the ball in, in midfield. And then the final third, I think the thorns need to sort of approach the game to the extent that they can they need to approach the game similarly to the way they approached the second half against the wave. And yes, it's, you know, it would be great if they could do so, uh, if they could do so while having Sam coffee and, and Rocky Rodriguez hit some of those balls that they're going to try to hit, uh, to Sophia Smith and, and Morgan Weaver, but they truly are best. It's getting tense out there. Jerry, Jerry's up on the fence. There, there are some barks. Oh, it looks like, looks like the cat has, has blinked and is walking away. All right. That 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 interaction, those animals in your backyard, the thorns <laughs> had that dog in them, and this, right. the, the San Diego <laughs> wave, while fearsome, while standing their ground for a great deal of that interaction, ultimately were that's the right. ones who blinked and and were the cat of that of that situation. That, that's exactly right. You know, once once Jerry decided to, to to force the issue a little bit more and and really get his paws up on the fence. Uh, the cat just, it was just too much. Um, like, like the thorns in the wave. <laughs> um, but, but you know, the, the point being, I don't think this is a game where the thorns want to have a ton of possession around the box. I think they want to be trying to create that space in behind where Smith and Weaver thrive. Uh, and, and I think that's going to be a challenge against a current team that's go- going to want to invite the thorns forward and is going to want to sit deep and counter uh, much like they did uh, against the rain. And so I, I think it'll be interesting to see how the thorns do that. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I think we have some of the same questions in terms of lineup selections that we had last week. My guess is, and I think this is what I would do. Rain Wilkinson probably runs it back. Um, Maybe she does something a little bit different with Yasmin Ryan, uh, maybe not feeling like she needs quite as much defense from that wing. Uh, so maybe she moves Hina Sugita back out to the wing uh, and 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 does, some, you know, maybe does Christine Sinclair in central midfield to start and then switches and goes to uh, to Crystal Dunn uh, at the hour or so. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if she just rolls it back. Same 11. Uh, 
but they're going to have to find a way to have those moments in which they can be direct uh, and, uh, and, and, and in which they can find Smith and Weaver in space because that is their best danger creating uh sort of way to create it's also the best way i think to to counteract ad franch right you you don't want to to give her time to to be in her correct positions and be right on her lines where she needs to be because she's going to stop you she you want her to be out of position you want her to be you know frantic you you or franchic maybe i don't know what we'll just skip the name name related woof. puns uh, i'm I'll, I'll invoke jerry and say woof, woof yeah sorry one. about that folks uh, so <laughs> the, uh she to me is the biggest key though ad french i mean i i think she was really the the main reason why the thorns did not win that game in kc she was just a, a non-stop force and and you could see the frustration on the face of players like sophia smith and morgan weaver going against a keeper like that that is a tough task to, to play against someone like that. And uh, obviously the French is somebody that's played in Portland. So she, she knows several of these players and their tendencies and, and will be more ready than most keepers for, for this team. AD French had, had a long spell uh, in, in Portland. Um, this is, I think her third time facing the thorns in the NWSL championship game, which yeah, is wild. that's wild. I mean, that's, that's like, just kind of a funny piece of trivia, but yeah, there, there we go. Little uh, trivia time here on on the pod. Um, but she she to me is very key, uh, and I I don't think there's any doubt that the Thorns are going to show up and play their game. the The question is uh, how KC is going to counter punch. How how is KC going to um, keep up the momentum from last week and try to put together a similar game to, to the one that they played against the rain, because I don't think that that Kansas city believes they're going to outshoot the thorns. I don't believe they think they're going to, and they don't, yeah, care and they, don't. They, they just care about being clinical and finishing and, and getting out on the counters uh, after playing good defense. So this has the potential to be a game that um, like some of the other games Portland has played against similar teams where it goes into the half 0-0 because KC has been successful defensively. Thorns may not have finished a chance here or there. And then potentially the Thorns find what they need in the second half. I think, and we're going to get into score prediction mode here. Uh, (laughs) I, I say... This gives me this gives me flashbacks from soccer main Portland past. <laughs> I say two zero Thorns final. I think if it plays out that way, the only way it plays out that way, the sort of a two zero win, is if the Thorns get one early. If the Thorns get an early goal, then the game changes completely, right? Because then Casey's got to come out, and if they come out, I think that is that is really unfavorable for for the current because then they have to go toe to toe with the thorns team that that is just more talented than than them at most positions across the field and so i i I think if the thorns get an early one it very well could turn into a game in which uh in 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 which it's it's you know it's a little bit more open and the thorns are able to dominate a bit more i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a more challenging game than that uh, I, I think the current are going to do enough to keep the thorns off the board early. Uh, and it's going to be a nip tuck one. Uh, I'm, you know, I'll go. I, I, I do think uh, I'm going to give the advantage to the thorns because I, I think talent 
overcomes most of the time. But I think it's a, a I think it's going to be a two one game. Um, and I think it's going to be a tough one. I think there's going to be some action in the second half. Uh, but I think this is one with, that the Thorns are going to win. It's going to be two one in extra time. Ooh. In fact, uh, the it's going to it's going to be one one at the at the at the end of regulation. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, but I, I think it's going to be a frustrating one for the Thorns. Uh, and they're going to really have to have to uh, you know have patience to break down this current team. Uh, that is, you know, I mean, look, don't fall in love with the depth chart because it's a 90 minute game now. Right. Uh, and this is a current team that's shown that it can go up against more talented teams, including on the road and come out up top uh, on top at the end of 90 minutes. Oh, uh, and so don't fall in love uh, with with the talent on the depth chart. Uh, the thorns are going to have to have to, you know, be those waves against stone uh, again and just erode it and erode it and erode it until they can finally break through. Where are you going to eat when you're in DC? Good question. Uh, I'm, you know, my 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 brother and sister in law live there, so I'll probably eat at their place <laughs> uh, a decent amount. Uh, so I don't know if I've picked a a, a particular spot, uh, a particular spot just yet. We'll see. I may just put my fate in their hands. They're 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 quite savvy with those sorts of things, and so yeah, my brother is too. He lives in DC, and I will be seeing him while we're there. Um, and. The restaurant that that comes to mind for me, and I believe I've even mentioned them on this podcast before, <laughs> oddly enough, <laughs> uh, is is Rasika. It is an Indian restaurant uh, in in DC, and it is the best. And don't get me wrong, Beaverton, Oregon, an absolute hub of delicious in Indian oh, food. Yeah, I mean that could be a podcast. We could talk own. for for hours about the the depth and variety of Indian food that exists in uh, the greater Beaverton area. But Rasika, I'm Shanaima Sala till yes, I die. Big fan. Uh, <laughs> I want to give a, a big shout out to to Chaya, an Indian restaurant that uh, that uh, closed a, a few months back. Uh, sadly, it was close to where my parents live. Uh, enjoyed it when i lived at home with them went there all the time uh my boy nihal is the owner uh he gotta <laughs> give him a shout out that uh, it was a great place and i'm very sad to see it go the restaurant business is a fickle thing and and it's, it's a tough, tough one. yeah uh but man rasika you're gonna see me there i don't know what day uh but if thorns fans are in town and they they want some serious indian grub i could not recommend it more in in the a way that is not technically advertising, but pretty much is. <laughs> uh, the like among family favorites, uh, there's one place in, in in my brother's neighborhood, Two Amy's, which is like a, a pizza and pasta place that is fantastic, uh, and that my niece is just like adore. Uh, but it's not like a you know, it's it's very much sort of like a a, a family style Italian cafe sort of deal. Really good stuff, excellent pizza. Uh, if you want to like dress it up a little bit, uh, I did go to a place a few years ago in DC, Bresca. Uh, it's it's a Michelin star, but it's like it's it's a little bit more accessible than some. Um, you can pro- decent chance if you wanted to, you could still grab a reservation right now. I wouldn't I wouldn't dilly dally too long, uh, but you know I mean there's a decent chance you, you could still grab one. Uh, really really good food, uh, really good cocktails as well. So if you want to like dress it up. Uh, for one night, have like you know a pregame meal. Uh, uh, you know that 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 really knocks your socks off. I, I recommend Bresca. Yeah, Tupelo Honey is another one. That's a uh, that's a breakfast brunch spot. Uh, hometown Southern type of cooking. Uh, 
hard to go wrong there. Easy to do it wrong, but hard to go wrong when you're in in DC, Virginia area. Uh, that one's in Arlington. Uh, so get out to get out there if you if you can <laughs> for brunch. I also enjoy a good taco bomb. Ooh, um, I mean, you know, there are a few locations. It's a it's like a a, a chain taco joint, uh, but solid. Really solid tacos. Yeah, and there's a ton of Ethiopian food in D.C. too. Uh, that's a product of the fact that there's a lot of Ethiopians in D.C. There's there's like every food Yeah, there's in DC. so much it, diverse it, so food there. It's amazing. D.C. used to be a bit of a food desert. Uh, in like the early 2000s, D.C. was not known for its food. Its food scene has really flourished in the last 15 years or so uh, and is now excellent. Really, really nice. Uh, and, so, and so by all means, if you were making the trip uh, – I, I I like explore. Go have fun. Yes. And and to me, visiting this city and visiting any city really, because this is just my MO when traveling, food is number one. Uh you know the favorite monument slash memorial. Lincoln. Go. Yeah, Lincoln. I liked it. I really liked it. It's just it's the stairs are cool to just sit on and hang out and get a good view. Um I liked I liked seeing the Capitol up close. Uh, I have actually, and I plan to on this trip, I, I, in my two trips to DC, I have yet to visit the Washington monument up close. I've seen it driving by. I've not yeah, a lot. It's, it's just, a, a it's a big in. pillar, whatever. And, and I have not whatever. seen the other white people call it something else. Yes, yeah. Other people would refer to it in a, a different <laughs> light. Uh, but the white house, I haven't seen up close either. Uh, I, I've also seen that from a distance, good museums in the, in the city that I've been to, but yeah, I mean, it, to me, I, I just really like the the Lincoln Memorial, the way they've done the inside to around where he's up there sitting, uh, all the words on the wall. It's it's powerful for sure. And and there's other like very powerful things I, I still need to see. Arlington National Cemetery is another one. I mean, I there are a lot of sites that I I do want to see and that are important in that town. My favorite memorial, especially if the weather's nice and you have some time to like walk through it, is the FDR Memorial. Uh, which is out on uh, on sort of the the far end of the tidal basin from uh, from the Lincoln Memorial. If you go like Lincoln, you pass by uh, you pass by MLK, then you keep walking and you eventually get to FDR. Yeah. It's really well done and is and it's just like a really nice setting. My actually, uh, I mean, it's it's relatively in the last like ten years new, uh, but I enjoy the symbolism of. I mean, I I think the the MLK Memorial is just phenomenally done. First of all, it's really cool. And I also enjoy the symbolism of MLK looking across the tidal basin at the Jefferson Memorial in sort of a great ideas, but come on, man. <laughs> uh, kind of kind kind of way. Uh it it like it sort of like lets you lets you and like in many ways, it does a much better job of of allowing you to wrestle with the dualism of Thomas Jefferson than the Jefferson Memorial itself does, uh, which is a, a little bit sanitized. Um, and, and so like, I, I sort of enjoy that overall experience of enjoying the MLK Memorial in its own right, because it's super cool and it's really well done. Uh, but also like enjoying that, that little bit of tension, which I think is a healthy and helpful thing. It is. And I, I do have to see MLK up close. I got to see FDR up close. Those are, those are on my list. MLK is really striking up close. It's really cool. Yeah. Can't wait to, to get out there to DC. Uh, I'll be there for most of this week. Best Smithsonian? Ooh. I couldn't say off the top of my head. What's your take? Easy peasy African American. Okay. I got to get out to that one too. Every, every, every day of the week. Like every day of the week. You could spend 
stays in the music room in, in its own right. Uh, the, that museum, it, so architecturally, it's super cool. The food there is actually pretty darn good, but the museum is just like spectacular. Nice. Uh, it's 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 something special. What a place to go for for a, a neutral site game. This should be fun, even if it's kind of a pain in the butt for uh, for a lot of people in Portland and uh, potentially KC. I mean, KC is a whole heck of a lot closer than than Portland is. But uh, people on the West Coast, if if you can make it out there, uh, it's going to be a, a fun and interesting time. A, a week full of events and everything else surrounding the NWSL Championship. That game is coming up Saturday, 5 p.m. at Audi Field, Washington, D.C. That's 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. We're staying up yes. late. 8 o'clock yeah, kickoff. 8, 8 o'clock kickoff for us on the East. Uh, that should be a, a late night of, of excitement and potentially glory for the Portland Thorns after what has been a really tumultuous and compelling season for this group. Uh, and that'll wrap it up for us here on Soccer Made in Portland. Uh, We will catch you on the flip side of this championship weekend. Uh, For Chris Reifer, I'm Ryan Clark. Thank you for joining us. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Soccer Made in PDX. Like us, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Leave a rating if you want to. If not, I'm good. It's all right. I won't be offended. Uh, And we will catch you as soon as we can. Thanks again. 